Tonight, we're going we're gonna to start a new series called Highs and Lows. Everyone say Highs and Lows. And um, I want to encourage you tonight and over the next few minutes, we're going to, in a minute, we're going to hear another story. We're going to hear a story from one of our leaders in some of the, the highs and the lows that they've navigated. How many of you have ever had a season in your life where you felt like maybe you weren't, it wasn't like depression, depression, but you, you felt depressed or anxious or fearful or just something was wrong in your head or in your heart? I think there's every single hand going up, right? And um, we're going to talk about this, this next series. We're going to talk about this idea of anxiety and depression and struggling um, with, you know, whatever mental, you might call it mental illness. Or, but I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to say these buzzwords and have you go down a train of thought that, that you weren't meant to go down. Because reality is, is some people really struggle with this and they know it. Other people really struggle with this and they don't know it. Other people don't struggle with it that bad, so they dismiss it and don't acknowledge the fact that it's still a real thing. We all go through stuff. All of us to different degrees have had, whether it might be trauma or something that's disappointed us or loss, like what Litzy was talking about, or breaking of a friendship or all kinds of different things, and they've affected us. A lot of times we come to these, this place with God and he wants to heal that, but we, we don't know how to acknowledge it. We're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks. What does it look like for, the God to, for God to be the God of our highs and of our lows? I want to read a scripture, and then I'll invite our leader to come up here. It's Psalm 139, and uh, we'll kind of revisit it over the next few weeks. It says this, Psalm 139 in verse 1. David is saying this. He says, God, you've searched me. And you know me. When I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my, my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem, you hem me in behind and before, and you, you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go? This is where we're going to part. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there also. What does it look like for God to be the God of your highs, your good moments, your success? What does it look like for God to be God when it feels like everything is falling apart? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we, uh, we give you tonight. We give you this week. We give you our lives. We ask, God, that you speak to us. Um, and God, if there's anyone in here struggling to any degree with anything in their mind, fear of the future, uh, pain from the past, whatever it might be, we thank you, God, that you are not a God who just snaps your fingers and fixes you're a God who comes near and sits with us and walks us through whatever we're dealing with, knowing that the best is yet to come. So we pray that over us tonight in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So one of our leaders who I love near and dear grew up in our youth ministry from high school. And who they were in high school, I should have gotten a picture. Who they were in high school is not who they are today. And you know this person as the one and only newly married 
Jake Hansen. Can we give it up for Jake Hansen? Yeah, huge Dua Lipa fan. Anybody else? Me and all my girls in the house. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> my name is Jake. I'm 23 years old. Just got married to my lovely wife, Delaney. I love her. Um, 23 years old. Been going to UD um, since right around when I turned 17. I was about 16 and four-fifths, um, but yeah, that's when I started coming around here, um, started following Jesus right away, and um, yeah, haven't looked back since, it's been awesome, almost seven years now, um, my life's been forever changed, and I, I'm so grateful for it, um, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, um, we're going to start my story um, when I was about 15, 14, 15 years old, um, so it, I was just getting done with freshman year of high school. Um, things had gone pretty well that year. I had made uh, varsity as a freshman for lacrosse, so that was a pretty big accomplishment for me. Um, didn't think I would do that. And then I got to start. Didn't think I'd be able to do that. And then uh, I got expelled, but that, that happened. Um, <laughs> highs and lows, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a theme for my life, um, and I think all of us. But anyways, um, summer had come. My parents were gracious. They said, you've had some highs and lows, Jake, but we feel we, we've looked at your curfew, we've reevaluated it, and we think we should give you a raise. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. What do we got? My mom said, instead of being home at 9 o'clock every night this summer, you, you got to be home at 9.30. I was like, I, you, you ever like, you ever been given an inch, you were expecting a mile, you are expecting the best, but you don't want them to take away even the inch, so you act like that was exactly what the doctor ordered. Thank you so much. So that's pretty much how I felt going into that. So I had some newfound freedom, a whole another half hour. It was amazing. And um, I said, you know what? I'm going to make the most of what I got. So I was like, this summer is Jake's summer. I'm going to do whatever I want as long as I'm home, home by 930. So I start, start longboarding all day, having fun, drinking sweet iced tea, eating croissants <laughs> from 7-Eleven. Who remembers 7-Eleven in Maple Valley? Yeah. So, anyways, um, my whatever-I-want lifestyle quickly led into, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll go hang out with that crowd because I do whatever I want because this is my summer. So, I began to, you know, party with whoever I want, drink whatever I want, kiss whoever I want, do whatever I want with whoever I wanted to do it with, because I did literally whatever I wanted. Um, 
And that went on for all of summer, from school gets out, and then all of summer doing whatever I want. And I thought, man, I'm such a good son. I get home at 9.30 every night. My parents have no idea what I'm actually up to because I'm home by 9.30 every night. They're so ignorant, and I'm just smart. I've been an adult my whole life. They're just now realizing it. They've given me this freedom, and it's all good. Come and go as I please until 9.30. Um, So... Near the end of summer, um, things kind of changed. My, my friend group, you know, I had, I had you always have like the, the two, like the one or two that you're actually really close to in the friend group. And those two friends who I was actually really close with decided, yeah, you know, we're going into sophomore year. We don't really want to like start off, you know, bad and continuing to party and all that stuff. And I was like, have fun. I do whatever I want. So, with them leaving, there kind of popped up a new ringleader in the friend group, and the new ringleader kind of invited some other people, and as soon as these, these people were invited, I was like, you ever got a, like a bad feeling about somebody, and you, you just know, like, if, it's like when you're with someone, and they say, hey, we're going to go to so-and-so's house, and you know in your head, like, if my parents knew that I was going to their house or hanging out with that person, I know that they wouldn't be stoked about that. Uh, this, is, this is a recipe for disaster. I shouldn't be doing this. That's your intuition. That's your gut telling you to stop. And uh, 15-year-old me said, don't listen to that. You got to do whatever you want. So I continued on with this, this lifestyle. I was like, I'm not going to judge these new people coming in, whatever. And um, to, make, to make a long story short, I got, I got myself in, in some pretty big trouble. And some people who I thought were my friends actually ended up stabbing me in the back. Um, And, I mean, got myself in trouble so much so that I ended up getting hurt, and I ended up in the hospital because of it um, at the hand of somebody who didn't like me. And people began to talk, and it hurt really bad because I felt like I was misrepresented, that everybody got the rumor and none of the truth, and while there was still responsibility on my part for things I had done, um, I felt a little stabbed in the back that my own friends wouldn't even correct the truth and say, no, actually, that's not how it played out. And so what began with me being physically hurt, I I got over that pretty quickly because your body can heal itself pretty well, but over time, it it was the mental strain and the tweets, and the looks at school, and the, the girls I was trying to impress actually laughing at me and mocking me and just degrading me and putting me down. And things just totally shifted in my life. Um, so I was, I was kind of done with it. I, I decided it was my sophomore year. I had some hookups, knew some peeps, and... Uh, Got out of sophomore year, was able to transfer to Green River. Um, that's a community college. You should go to it. Go Gators. <laughs> um, where I would later get a college degree from. How many of you have college degrees? That's right. <laughs> um, so I went to Green River and, <laughs> sorry. The Gators, man. Um, 
the reason why I went was because I said, I'm going to take control of what I can take control of. I don't like how those people are treating me, so I'm going to remove myself from the situation. I don't need to waste my time explaining myself. I already know the truth. I'm going to move on with my life. So I go to Green River, and I say, That's, that'll do it. That'll do the trick. I'll get out of that, and it'll be all good. So I go there. But things don't stop. The talking doesn't stop. The rumors don't stop. Just because I go to school 17 miles down the road doesn't mean that people still don't, you know, talk about my business. And so I was like, whenever I would go out, I'd see people who I didn't want to see, and they'd say things that I didn't want to hear that would be hurtful. And it got to this point where I, I created an expectation that whenever I left the house, I was going to be met with mockery, a look, uh, something, I was going to be able to read about it on Twitter later, about somebody saw me and they thought this thing about me. And so I created an expectation that there is not one person on this earth, or there's not one person in this community who I can walk in front of without my, my reputation and my dirty laundry being thrown in the air and everybody saying, oh, I know his story, I know him. But really, it was the furthest thing from the truth. People got a part of it, ran with it, and developed a whole narrative about me. And it was just, it was unfair. And, um, but it was what I had to deal with. So, um, I decided that, it, you know, I, I went to this, I went to Green River and thought that was enough. But I was like, you know what, I got to take it even further. So, I remember having a, I had just gotten my license. And I was really excited. But I knew that this conversation with myself was coming where I was going, you know, to tell myself, like, Jake, from now on, you, you're going to get comfortable with being alone. You're going to get comfortable with staying in. You can't go out. Don't leave your room. Don't leave your house. That, you'll get hurt. People are going to hurt you. People are going to say things. And by God, you do not want to run into the wrong person. Like, so don't go. Just stay here. You can still have friends. Invite them over. But, Jake, don't don't leave your house. Like, I, had, I legitimately had this converse, conversation with myself as a 16-year-old in my room after, uh, you know, and so I, I said, okay, yeah, I, I still got my friends. That's good. They'll, I'll invite them over, and we'll play Yu-Gi-Oh. It's going to be fun. And I was actually into it, and I was really good, and I'll smash any of you. Um, sorry. It's true. Um, so I shut down all that stuff, and... I remember that just this one night scrolling through, you know, social media on my phone and seeing all my friends at this party, and I just kind of had this moment where I was just like, I see it a little bit clearer now, like, you guys don't miss me at all. You guys actually never cared about me. You never cared I was here. I thought you were my friends, but I was just somebody to have a good time with, to share a drink with, to laugh with. I, you don't have my back. You don't care about me. You don't love me. And it was as if I felt like I could die and nobody in that group would notice because that's what it was like. I had disappeared. Nobody hit me up. Nobody asked how I was doing. Nothing. So that kind of spiraled me in this depression. And then you continue with the isolation and then going to this, going to Green River, which, I mean, yeah, it was good to get away from certain people, but then also it's a very isolated school um, if you don't know anybody. <laughs> and... Um, so I guess the themes were just frustration, depression, isolation, rinse and repeat, do it over again. 
And so I did what I knew how to do, what I learned summer after freshman year. And so I was, I was like, I'm just going to go party. And so I, I had some old friends who were disconnected from the situation. And so I, I hit them back up. And I knew that nobody I knew or nobody who knew the situation about me would, would ever be there. So I began partying with those guys on the regular. And, and, but instead of partying to have a good time and laugh and stuff like that, it was honestly just to ease the pain, to numb it all, to forget that I went from feeling like I had everything, I was doing what I wanted, all the friends, girls liked me, everything just washed away and nothing, and I am just a laughing stock. And um, that cycle of partying, you know, go throughout the week, weekend hits, binge drink, pass out, wake up Saturday, go to work, binge drink, pass out, Sunday morning, try to recover, go to Green River, be late to all my classes, weekend hits, repeat. And that cycle just kind of had me, it just had me spiraling, honestly, just had me spiraling. And I felt like there was nothing, no force, nothing, no one could ever convince me or stop me that life could get better. People could tell me, oh no, Jake, you're, you're good. Like people, people misjudged you. And I'm like, yeah, they did. And there's no redeeming it. That's how I felt. There's no redeeming it. There's nothing good that will ever come of this. And so I felt like I would just keep going, keep going, until one day I went too far and it all came to an end and I wouldn't have to feel it anymore. And that was my, that was my perspective, honestly. And I'd settled with it. I wasn't mad at the world. I wasn't angry. I was just settled in the fact that this is my life. I, I remember thinking about my life as a young kid and thinking about when I'm a dad one day and all this stuff. And then this happened, and I, lost, I felt like I lost everything. And then I remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, none of that's going to happen anymore. All those dreams you had of being like your dad when you were older, all, none of that's going to happen anymore. You're just going to spiral down until the end. And you'll fizzle, and people already have forgotten you, so they're not going to miss you. It's going to be okay. Um, that was my perspective on life when at the end of that summer after sophomore year, I was invited by my sister to go and hang out um, at a bonfire, which uh, I was very into that idea um, because I like fire. <laughs> um, no, because like that's how that's how uh, that's how all this all those summer parties were back in my crazy days. So I was like, "Ooh, another bonfire! I'll give that a try. Try that old friend on." So I go, and she's like, "Oh yeah, it's, you're not going to know anybody, and there, don't worry, it's nobody bad." Because my sister, she was probably the closest person with me during this situation. She's like, "Nobody bad's going to be there. Um, they're just some friends, whatever." So I go. It's at my friend William's house. Well, my friend now. Didn't know the guy. Thought it was weird when I met him, but I love him. <laughs> um, and basically, it's just, it's normal stuff. Everybody's just hanging out, laughing, having a good time. And then they, they start talking about uh, camp, how they're excited to go to camp and all that stuff. And I, I get invited uh, as a joke. They say, Jake, you should, you should come. And they were all kind of giggled to each other, thinking, like, there's no way this heathen kid's coming. And because uh, they knew, they caught the vibe. They knew that Jake does whatever he wants. They caught the vibe. They caught the vibe. 
And uh, <laughs> so I say yes. I'm like, no, I'm going to go. Kind of in spite. Like, yeah, I'm gonna, I, can, I can hang out. I can be a good person for a week. Jeez, guys. And so I go. No expectation of anything other than like, this is kind of like a vacation. I get to get away from Maple Valley and uh, see, see how things go. It's going to be games. It's going to be fun. So I go, and I didn't even realize that just like a, a just tiny little whimsical yes set in motion something so much greater than I had ever, ever imagined or dreamed of or like actually believed in because like as you know, like my belief was I'm going until I fizzle, and then when I fizzle, see you later, world. Like that's it. And what was set into motion um, was the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I met God. I met God. I encountered God. He, he met me right where I was at. I was, I was begging for forgiveness from my past, begging for a sound mind, for relief from the mental strain of everything, for a new perspective. I was, I mean, I was as poor in spirit as you could get. I was just down and out. And that's when I met Jesus on my knees, just wanting to trust God. Not even like fully, like, I don't need God, I don't even understand you, but I just remember thinking, God, the, the, the person I've been hearing about the last three days here at camp, if that, if that is even an ounce of who you are, then you are worthy to be Lord of my life. And from that point forward, my life has literally never, never been the same. I, I physically felt... When, when, I, when I said, it's a long story, I won't tell it, but when I said, Jesus save me, Jesus save me, I physically felt weight lift off my back. I felt warmth like come into my body. I felt like I was being cradled in the arms of the Father. And then I felt this darkness leave me. I felt like, like every foothold that was on me of like depression and, and the, the, ne- the negative perspective and all that stuff, I felt like that was immediately just like kicked away, just like Christ punted it. Bam! That was really cheesy. But um, I didn't even know how to do any of this Christian stuff. I just said, yeah, I'm in. And I, began, I, I opened my Bible um, that my dad had given me. It was his Bible. And, um, and I just started reading. I started reading from some of the stuff that we uh, had gone over at camp. And um, here, here's, a couple of, here's a couple of things that I read. So I'm going to say how I felt, and then I'm going to say what God has to say about it. When I felt dead inside and hopeless, God says in Ezekiel 37, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. When I felt unclean, God says in Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. When I felt enslaved to depression, um, Jesus, our King of kings, our Lord of lords, says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And there are still times when I worry that God can't handle me. And in those times, I'm reminded that neither death nor life nor angels or demons Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God. And that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so I praise God. I worship God with all I have because I've been forgiven much and I've been set free. I didn't even realize I needed it. I was just broken and sad and in my head. I didn't even realize I needed it. But God knew and God met me where I was at. And so I just love all of you. And I genuinely feel like there are some of you in here who I feel like you're, you're just so unaware. And I mean that in the most loving way possible. Like you're just, you're so unaware like I was where you, you have these things holding you down. And you have this God who, he's not waiting for you. He's reaching out to you. He's pursuing you. And you're so unaware. It's right before your eyes. You're so unaware. And so, like I was, um, I, I don't want to see any of you live any further in that, in your frustration, in, in that mental narrative. And all it took was, it was honestly me saying, God, I'm going to give you a chance. It, it wasn't even like, God... The jury's out. The jig is up. You're real. I figured it out through all my logic and my smarts. No, it was, God, I, I just have this inkling, and I, I got to try. Like, and so I encourage all of you to, you know, tonight, these next couple weeks, highs and lows, think about your life. Think about the life you want to live. Think about where you want to be. I can tell you, had I not said yes to a simple invite to a little bonfire, in Timberlane. I literally wouldn't be here right now. And it scares me to think about where I would be. Or even if I would be. So, I love you all. Let's pray. And uh, after that, we're all just going to give a, a hoorah to God. <laughs> um, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Savior, you love us so much. You've you rescue us, God. You wait with open arms and, and you reach out for us, God. I, I pray that the deepest, the deepest parts of our souls tonight would be crying out for the deepest parts of you, God. God, would you, would you fill this place with your spirit and would people's lives never be the same again, God, in your mighty name. Amen. I remember when Jake and his sisters were at camp that year, but I watched what happened at camp as it unfolded. I remember seeing Michaela, who you guys know, who's on our staff here, praying every day and asking for prayer and crying, saying, I need these guys to encounter God. And I remember watching it unfold and seeing God meet him right where he was at. And I just feel like that's the message that God wants you to get. Is that if you're in a high place, but you're confident in it, you need God to meet you where you're at. You might feel like you're in a low place, where in the middle of the night you're tormented by voices. And you hear words and ideas and things that come to your mind that are different than what you really want in the middle of the day, but at night you hear these things echo. Take your life. Take your life. 
no one likes you. No one cares about you. You're never gonna amount to anything. Hear those words. Hear these thoughts and you have these dreams. Or you think, man, I don't wanna take my life, but does anyone even care if I were to? And maybe it's not that. I don't wanna sensationalize it and make it this thing that is just about that because you might not find yourself in that place, but you just feel like, man, I don't have any juice in me, any energy. I don't think I have what it takes. You're overwhelmed by your future. What God wants to say to you is that he wants to meet you right where you're at. He wants to meet you right where you're at. What David understood is that when I make my bed in hell, there you are, right there with me. I feel like right now even the enemy is trying to distract and take away from what God is about to do in your life every little distraction is the enemy reminding you that he's afraid of what might happen if you were to say yes to God. What I'm here to just implore, what I'm here to, I can't beg, I'm not going to get at your feet, but I'm here to say, if you'll let God in, he will join you where you're at and he will lift you up and he will set your feet on some solid ground. Some of you have been standing on jello and your ground is shaky. You may act like you're tough and you've got it all figured out, but at the end of the day, your life is empty, you have no joy, and everything that you do to fake it is simply medicating because you can't face the fact that you have nothing in your life worth celebrating. But what God wants to do is lift you out of that place set you in a place where no longer are you dictated by where you've been but God is saying I still have a future for you would you bow your heads and close your eyes I feel like what we need to do tonight and over the next few minutes is spend some time in prayer and and in worship allow God to seal in us what he's trying to speak and I I know there's so many ends of the spectrum right if I were in your seat when I was in high school I would not raise my hand and say I was depressed I struggle with mental illness I struggle with anxiety the end of the day what truly happened was how I believed about myself and about my future was limited by where I struggled struggled with different addictions I struggled with different thinking and I struggled with all sorts of thoughts that would come into my mind and say Taylor your parents are great but you're never going to be able to do what they can do 
Yeah, a lot of people go to school, but you don't have the skills or the smarts to actually go to school. So you'll probably never get a career. You're probably never going to find a girl that's going to like a guy who can't get a career. And even though I may not have had a depression struggle or may not have defined it that way, truth was, this lack, this mentality, these words, these thoughts, they were ruling my life. Maybe tonight you're in here and you're saying, you know what? I don't know what I would call it, but I know what I feel. But I want to have that experience that Jake was talking about. Where God replaced my pain with purpose. God replaced my struggle with security in him. And God replaced my anxiety with a rest that only comes in the presence of God. God replaced my, an addi- my addiction with a newfound affection that is only satisfied in God. And I'm here to tell you emphatically and exclusively that there is literally no other object of any affection that will ever satisfy you except for Jesus. You cannot find satisfaction. You cannot find purpose. You cannot find life outside of God. But the thing is, is that God, though he chose you, is inviting you to choose him. And say, God, I'm going to invite you into my Pain. You've got some major pain. Maybe it's trauma from your past. Maybe it's a word someone spoke over you in seventh grade that you've held on to. Maybe it's a moment that you had with your dad. And it may not even reflect how he feels about you, but you've held on to those words. Maybe you're in the middle of the night and you hear thoughts words, ideas that you know are not of God, but you're tormented by them. And the only way to ease it is to respond to it or to medicate it with something. You don't like how you feel, but you constantly find yourself in this place where, God, I'm at the end of myself. That's you tonight. What I'm gonna do is actually, why don't we all stand Just maintain this atmosphere. I don't want you to move around. Don't talk to the person next to you. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to invite our leaders to just, our adult leaders, to come and stand right up here in front of the stage. So if you're an adult leader, would you come and stand up here at this time? And um, we're going to pray. And I just feel like there's some people in here that what God wants to do is break the chain. What God wants to do is set you free. What God wants to do is remind you that though you are in the depths of your pain, that that pain does not define you. Your past does not define you. 
Your struggle does not make you bad. It makes you human. And God is saying, when you come to me and you cast your cares upon me, I will give you everything that you need. Don't make your problem too big for God. God is too big for your problem. God is too big. God is too big that your problem has no permission to stay standing at the face of God. In fact, when God comes up to your problem, all he's got to do is flex and your problem has to crumble because at the name of Jesus, every knee, every problem, every struggle, it bows because he has the name that is above every name. He has the name that is above every struggle, every issue. At that name, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, this might take some boldness for some of you. This isn't for the person on your right or on your left. This is me talking to you. You'd say, Taylor, tonight, if I'm being honest, I'm struggling. Been pretty good this week, but man, lately it's been a struggle. Maybe it's really, it really is. I'm depressed. I hate my life. Maybe you've been holding on to pain from a past relationship. You've been holding on to words spoken over you. I've done it. You'd say, you know what? I want God to sit with me in my pain begin to remind me of what I know to be true if that's you tonight we're going to worship in a moment but with our heads bowed and our eyes closed I want to invite you to come up and find one of these leaders I'm not going to, I'm not going to count I'm not going to give you a crescendo moment have 19 of you walk up at the same time I'm just going to invite you right now if you're saying you know what I want to be set free I'm not going to hold on to this anymore I'm not going to let my depression hold me. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to receive what he's got for me. If that's you, would you just come forward, find one of these leaders?